All right, good morning again. Thank you, worship team, for those songs. That last song is so powerful, so powerful. I was just felt like I was broadsided by the phrase, who can rescue me from my failings? I can't rescue myself. You can't rescue yourself, but only our holy God can. So I'm so grateful for that this morning. Um, so I told you, our, our family took a little trip last weekend. Uh, we had a, had a really good family time just hanging out together. Um, but we had the, had the opportunity to stop at the Ark Encounter um, down in Kentucky. And that ended up becoming the inspiration for what I want to share with you today. Um, so if you ever have an opportunity to head to Kentucky and to visit, um, man, take the opportunity. It's well worth well worth your time. So, we all have heroes, right? We have living heroes. We have people that we look up to. We're probably all a hero to someone, I would imagine. There's someone looking up to you who wants to be just like you. But Hebrews 11 is a, a chapter that we're so familiar with, but it's filled with filled with characters, mostly from, from the Old Testament. Some of them are named, some of them are not named, but they're people who are all known for their faith. And as I, as I was processing that, and along with um, visiting, had the opportunity to visit the ark there, the one thing that I noticed with the people who are mentioned in Hebrews 11 is their faith led them to do something. And I began to wrestle with the question, is it really faith if it doesn't produce an action? Can I believe something in my head, but does my action then actually give evidence of what I believe? Um, And that's something that I thought about with the life of Noah. The the story of Noah is in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, and we'll look at that in just a little bit. Um, one thing, as I, as I was studying the story or the account, there's never once a reference where Noah speaks a word. It's, there's different times, and we'll look at it, how God spoke to Noah, but it never says anything that Noah actually said. I'm sure he did talk. He wasn't mute. But in Second Peter, Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. So, obviously, I think he preached. I think he preached to the people who are around him. But I think there's also an implication here that Noah's life and his faith in action was a message that he preached to the people around him. And it spoke powerfully. I want to read one verse in Hebrews 11 that talks about Noah, and then we'll um, go back to Genesis chapter 6. So, if you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis 6... We'll be there in just a little bit. But in Hebrews 11, there's one verse that talks about Noah, and it says this, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So there's one New Testament references, reference to Noah, and there's several others. We'll look at them later. 
But if you're back in Genesis chapter 6, who is this man, Noah? I want to start with simply reading two verses, verses 9 and 10 of Genesis chapter 6, that give us a description of who Noah was and what kind of man he was. Genesis 6 verse 9 says this, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So notice the description that, that is recorded about who Noah was. He was a righteous man. That simply means, I think it means he walked in the grace of God. He walked his life was lived to please God. He longed to put a smile on God's face. So his relationship with God was intact. He was blameless. I think that simply means he lived in integrity with how he related to the people around him. He was blameless in his business dealings and how he spoke to the, to the world around him. There was integrity. There was blameless. No one could say, yeah, but look what you said here. Look what you did here. So he lived with integrity so he lived righteously in God's grace in his relationship with God. He lived a blameless life in his relationship with, his, with people. Now let me just say this. He's not perfect. All these people, all these people who are mentioned in Hebrews 11, read it sometime. There's so many people. And you can read account after account after account of how miserably they failed. And yet there was something in, in them, that, something in their faith that God admired. Because you'll see, read chapter 11 of Genesis, and you'll see Moses failing. He's the first drunk that's ever mentioned in Scripture. He was not a perfect man. It had terrible consequences for him and for his family. But what allowed, what allowed Noah to live a righteous and a blameless life? It simply says this. It says that he walked with God. He walked with God. He simply, it simply means that he kept in step with where God was going. And I think often in, in our lives or in my life, I want to be walking where I want to go and I want God to keep in step with where I'm going. Noah lived a life. God was going here and Noah kept in step with God. That means he simply he was on the same page as God was. When we walk with God, we make our decisions based on our relationship with God. God has a direct impact and a lasting impact on every decision that you and I make. And that's what it, he did with Noah. But the thing that makes Noah... His walk with God stand out, at least to me, is the world in which he lived where he walked with God. Back up, if you will, to verse 1 of chapter 6. This is the world Noah lived in. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that their daughters were attractive and they took, with their, and they took as their wives any they chose then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide with man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. 
These were mighty men of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention and thought of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was the oddball out. And his walk with God set him apart from everyone else around him. He was not keeping, he was not focused in keeping in step with the world around him, with the culture that he was living in. Notice the wickedness of the world. Uh, we, we don't like talking about the negative side of things. We talked about that in Sunday school. But there are realities sometimes. They, they are a reality. But God's grace always overcomes. Um, but the wickedness of the people was not only in their actions, but notice what it said in verse 5. That every intention of the thoughts of their heart were continuously evil. That's as depraved as you can get. And, then, and yet, in the midst of that, and can you imagine the pressure that Noah lived under to conform to the world? It's, it's, hard not, it's hard to be the odd one out, if you will. And yet, God sees Noah, and he said, This man finds favor, I find, or I find favor with him. So how does that work out? How does that all work out? So I just want to look at a couple things from Noah's life, how his walk played out, and how his faith actually was brought into action. See, Hebrews 11, even when it talks about faith, it doesn't so much, it gives us somewhat of a definition of what faith is, but it, it, more than that, it gives us a definition of what faith does. And so again, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but think about it. I believe that faith always produces an action. You can believe that an airplane can take off, but are you willing to get on that airplane and to actually let it take you up in the air? There's a difference with actually saying you believe something and actually following through. That might be a bad illustration, but think, think about that. So, okay, let, let me just let me get into some of the things, observations about Noah and his faith. The first thing I, I see when, when you walk with God, as Noah walked with God, in the midst of the pressures of the world, faith hears what God says. Now, hearing God can be incredibly, incredibly difficult. We move so fast in our world. We're so fast-paced. We have so much noise in our head. We're all always listening to things, and God speaks through those things. Those aren't bad. But how do we hear God speak to us? Noah heard God speak. 11, in Hebrews 11, it talks about him hearing speak, God speak. In Genesis 6, verse 13, God said to Noah, and you'll see by Noah's response that Noah heard God speak. And especially amidst the clamor of the evil 
in the world around us. We need to be able to walk in step with God so that when God whispers in our ear that we're right beside Him and we can hear what God is speaking to us. So we must be in step so we can hear what He says. And then we must follow what He says to do. And here's where the part of Noah, when when we were down at the ark, this is the part that struck me. The the ark is a massive thing. You stand there, the thing's huge. But that wasn't what struck me the most. It was the way that Noah acted in obedient in obedience to what God called him without seeing or understanding what the end was actually going to look like. God told him what he was going to do, but he didn't explain to him all the details of how that was going to happen. He simply told Noah, you do this. And we find that in um, starting in verse 11 when God gives him the instructions on how to speak so, or, or, how to, or what he's supposed to do. So God tells Noah what to do in verse 13 and over in verse 7 or chapter 7 verse 1 again God speaks to Noah and in both cases it simply says Noah did this he did all that God commanded him and then down in verse 7 or verse 5 of chapter 7 and Noah did all that God had commanded him twice we hear And later on it happens again. But God speaking to Noah, giving him instructions. And twice we hear Noah doing exactly what God had commanded him or asked him to do. Notice when, I'm not going to take the time to read it just for the sake of time. But notice the detailed instruction that God gives Noah about building the ark. Very, very detailed. He gives him the dimensions. He tells him what kind of wood to use. He tells him how many windows to put in, where to put, or how many doors to put in. He gives him all those instructions, very detailed. But I want you to also notice then the things, and we'll look at it in a little bit, the things that he did not give him details about. When God gave him instructions, he followed through in faith. He, he was obedient in faith. Faith is something that is obedient. Sometimes, this is, this is speaking from my own life, God is asking me to move over here, to take that next step of faith. But I don't know what's going to come next. And often we want to wait to move over to here until we see what's next and next. And so I just shuffle over here just a little bit, a little bit closer to it. But I don't believe that God shows us what the next step is until we step fully in and obey what the step is that God has already laid out for us. And the end outcome, that's in His hands, but every step of the way. See, faith is, one, is taken one step at a time in obedience to what God has already told us to do. Now sometimes the things that God asks us to do will not make sense to the people around you. They're not going to make sense to the world. Why would you think, even in business dealings, why would you make some of the decisions that you do, but you do because you have integrity in your business? You might lose money, but because of your integrity and your honesty, you are not going to take the dishonest route to pocket that extra $1,000, whatever it may be. It's a completely different, and it does not make sense to a watching world. 
But I would ask you, has God ever asked you to build a boat as massive as what Noah did? Walking in faith means that we begin to move without knowing the end outcome. When God says, go cut down a tree, we go cut down a tree. And I believe that was Noah's first step of faith, is when he picked up his axe and he went out and he started cutting down a tree. That was his act, his first step of obedience in following through what God had told him to do. So I told you, you read the account of how the details of how he was supposed to build the ark. Hebrews 7 says that he was warned of things that he had not yet seen. That There's debate about what that means. Is that the flood? Is it the rain? But think about the things that were not made clear to Noah by God at the outset. They only became true when it started to rain and the flood came. Noah had not seen rain before. Again, there's debate on that. I don't think he had ever seen rain before. Genesis 2 talks about how God watered the ground from the mist. And also you think about the rainbow that God set in the clouds. That was his promise. Had there been rain, I don't think, I think there would have been rainbows before. I think this was something new, this rainbow that God set in the clouds as a sign of his promise. So I don't think there had been rain before. There certainly had never been a worldwide flood there certainly had never had been a boat built that was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, with three stories in it, let alone likely having it built about 100 miles from the ocean. Absolutely ludicrous. God didn't tell him how that thing's going to, how he's going to navigate. Is the thing going to float? God told him to bring two of every kind of animal, or and seven of some of the clean ones, but he didn't give him, tell him how those would actually come onto the ark. But Noah simply acted in faith. God told him to build the boat, and so he went and built. And then the next step, and then the next step. And I believe that that is how our faith grows. I think that's how Noah's faith grew. And I ask you this morning, I ask me this morning, Simply, what is the one next step that God is asking you to take? Don't worry about the next and the next and the next after that. What's the one next step? And then step out in obedience to that. But faith grows as we walk in obedience, as we take those next steps. See, I think Noah's faith grew with each axe stroke with each chisel mark on the boards, with each nail that was driven into the boards as he pieced together this boat, and with each stroke of the brush as he, as he covered it with pitch. Now, were there doubts along the way? Do you, ever, do you think Noah struggled with this along the way? <laughs> Come on. You're, you're spending... I don't know, I, I, I was going to figure out the percentage of time, but Noah lived to be 900, I think, 50 years old, and he spent, there again, debate, maybe 75 years building this thing. That's a big chunk of time that you're spending building something to prepare for something that you have never seen before. The world has never seen it, and you've never seen it, but God said to do it. So I'm sure there were doubts along the way. There were times when his, um, his faith was severely tested, and your faith 
will be tested. That's a guarantee. In all those years that he were built, was building, do you think there were ever moments when he thought or wondered, did I hear God right? Am I actually doing the right thing here? Think about the pressures that he must have faced from the world around him as they watched him toil and probably hired in labor to help build it. I don't know. But as they watched him toil for all those years to prepare for something that they've never seen. Do you think he felt pressure from the people around him to quit? We talked about persevering in Sunday school. Was the temptation there ever to quit? I'm sure it was. And yet Noah persevered. He walked in step with God and he walked in faith, in obedience to his faith. I wonder, and I came across this as I studied, I invite you to to go to chapter 7 of Genesis, if this wasn't perhaps the greatest test of faith that Noah ever, ever, ever faced. Genesis chapter 7, Noah had finished building the ark. And in verse 1 of Genesis 7, it says this, And the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So he tells Noah to go get in the ark, then take up with you seven pairs of all the clean animals, male and his mate, and a pair of all the animals that are not clean, a male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Now it sounds to me like God asked Noah to get in the boat. And he's in the boat for seven days before the rain actually starts. That had to be the longest seven days of his life. He has spent so much of his life following in detail what God had asked him to do. And now it's time to get in the boat. I don't know where those seven, those seven days, or I guess six days, the seventh day, seven days it's going to rain. Was that when all the animals came up into the ark? But I think it was also, and I'm reading into it, maybe if it's too much, so forgive me, but... I think this is God giving the people an opportunity to repent and to get on board. This isn't God's grace has no on the boat and God's grace waits for seven days for the people to give them opportunity to to repent. Could it be that the greatest test of faith that you ever face could be God's grace, the greatest opportunity for someone else to see God at work? And to give the opportunity to experience God's grace in their lives. You see, our world today, I don't think is so unlike Noah's time. It's evil. I think we know that. We're pretty sheltered and protected here. Um, maybe we don't feel the pressures, for sure not here this morning. But you get out in the business world, you get out wherever you go. We live in times that are not much unlike Noah. There is this tremendous desire to please only self. That's all around us. And not unlike Noah's time, 
We can't deny the wickedness and the rejection of God in our world. And yet God's grace is clinging on or giving opportunity for repentance. Matthew 24, Jesus uses the story of Noah and the flood and he compares it to his second coming because the ark is also this great, beautiful picture of salvation. It's God's grace saving us. And in speaking of the second coming, it says that this, that in the days of Noah, the people, this is in Matthew 24, the people were out, in my own words, they were partying, they were getting drunk, they were just having a good time, they were living for themselves, and God's going to come back. That ark, the door in the ark is going to shut, and it's going to be over. The judgment will come. God had given a warning to Noah that the earth was going to be destroyed by flood. And Noah walked in faith and in obedience with God. And that ark, I believe, that Noah built was not, it was meant for him, for his family, but it was also opportunity, God's grace, for others to be saved. And Jesus is telling us in Matthew 24 to be awake, to be ready, to be alert to be walking in faith, in step with God every single day of our lives because He's coming back again. Just as sure as that flood happened and that ark door did shut, He is coming back again. And God needs us to be men and women of obedient faith like Noah, whose very lives and walk with God give evidence of and point people to the ark, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So as you think about your life here this morning, what is the ark that God is asking you to build? What step of faith, what next step of faith is God asking you to take? Let me just leave you with this. Be like Noah. Do what Noah did and pick up an axe and start cutting down the tree. Take that first step and watch God as you take that step. Watch God bring provision. When you have stepped out in faith, have you ever experienced God letting you down? Have you ever experienced it? Look in the past in your life and you've seen God move. Did God ever let you down? Let that be your encouragement to take that next step. Take this, pick up the axe, start chopping down the tree. Take the first swing with the axe or that next step of faith as you go into this next week. Just stand with me. We'll have prayer. Worship team, I invite you to come and close out the service. God, as we are here before you as needy people, as people who desperately are in need of your grace and your strength being poured out in our lives. God, I pray, give us the grace, pour your grace into our lives as we seek to walk in step with you. Give us the courage to step out, to take the next step of faith that you've called us to and to be faithful with each step as you come, as you put them before us, God. And we can do so with assurance and with confidence Because you are always faithful. You're always faithful in our lives. So drive that home in our hearts in this coming week, God, as we strive to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.